Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your host, Davey Blackburn. And I'm your co-host, Aubrey Sampson. Today's conversation is with Don Barton, who might be hands down the most positive, optimistic person you've ever met. Yes, she is definitely a half glass full kind of woman. Very yes. encouraging. And I love I love when people are half glass full types of people. That's kind of my bent as well. And there are certain yeah. personalities, I feel like, you know, Aubrey, we've talked about this a little bit before, but certain personalities that seem to be more well-equipped to walk through pain because they're optimistic or right. maybe... They kind of have that like strong mentality. Yeah. And I just wonder with optimism and faith and the the mm-hmm. convergence of those things, what, what are your thoughts? How much does optimism play into our ability to walk through and navigate pain well? I feel like that's a really good question. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if it's not optimism because optimism can sometimes come across as cliche or like Pollyanna. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's not quite optis- optimism. Yeah. It's hope, right? That's it's good. hope in Christ yeah. and kind of having the long term view that no matter what we face, no matter what uh, toil and snare we're walking through, no matter what valley of the shadow of death we're walking through, right. that God is with us, that right. we we fight our battles from victory, not defeat, That's right? Good, yeah. That we, f- we, we fight what we're up against from the resurrection, not from destruction. And so yeah. I, I think there is something really biblical about I mean, you know, I'm passionate about lamenting right, and crying out right. in grief. Absolutely. That's what my second book is about. But in every lament, there's that word yet yeah, or that word, it. but right. Like right. Paul talks about where we're crushed or pressed, but we're not crushed, crushed. right? We're persecuted, persecuted but we're not, not abandoned. abandoned. Yeah. Like both things can be true. We can hold the reality of our grief like Don does so beautifully, but also say, this is not the final word in so Jesus' good. name. That's so good. What do you think? Well, yeah. I mean, I think to your point that the fact that we are operating in both of them, we're holding them in tension, and it's because of what we know to be true in the end, right? I yeah. mean, 2 Corinthians says that we do not grieve like those who have no hope. We don't grieve like Mm. the world. There's a different element of our grief. So one, honestly, what I think that that means, it's kind of twofold. One, it means that we actually do enter into grief, whereas the world kind of tries to cope or numb or hold it at bay or, you know, we don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to pretend like it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we actually do enter into grief. We do enter into lament. um, And yet we do it with a different lens that we know that ultimately while this world is full of trial and hardship. Jesus, our Savior, our King, has overcome the world. And so while we may not see it now, we can know and hope for this future glory that Jesus is working out for us on our behalf. And this is the narrative of Scripture, right? The cross, then the resurrection. Yep. Suffering, and then we have restoration. And so uh, I, I think it's so important that we understand those things and that we look our, our sights are set on 
what Jesus is um, promising of us uh, in, in the future. I, I think it's also imperative that we focus on those things while we are in the midst of it. Because, mm. you know, Philippians chapter 4, for instance, it's a perfect example. You know, 4.8 talks about what we should focus on, right? It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is yeah. honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about such things. And my favorite part about that verse is this is not just this idea of like, okay, um, the, the power of positive thinking. Right. And yet it is telling us there is power in focusing on the positivity of the power of Jesus right? The conquering nature of the power of Jesus, uh, that we, in the end we win. Yes. Yes. And to have a focus on that is sometimes the only thing that's going to get you through whatever this is you're facing. What I love about that scripture, what I was going to say, Philippians 4, 8, is that what is true and what is honorable and what is lovely and what is excellent and what is just is Jesus, yeah, right? I mean, that's the, it's really not what, it's a who. It's who. Like, mm-hmm. who is lovely? Who is excellent? Who is worthy of our praise? It's Jesus alone. Yeah. And so I, I think the fact that we have a God who has known suffering, who enters into our suffering, that gives us the hope that that's we right. need when we're walking through really difficult stuff that's right. so that we can have hope in the midst of something that feels really hopeless. Oh, that's so good. And not only is our inspiration and our and the power and strength with which we walk through derived from the fact that Jesus entered into it with us, we also, in this specific verse and you know this chapter philippians right uh, we know that this is written by a guy paul who went through a lot of hardship and he's writing this very thing in prison in prison right in he's prison. saying have hope while he's literally in chains right i mean that was that was so uh it, it was it was so amazing to like we we actually got to go to this prison um, in Caesarea Maritime where Paul was sitting, where, where they believe that he wrote Philippians. Um, and if you want to go to Israel with us, 2021, you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash Israel. We'd love to take you there. We'll show you this pit where Paul sat and he wrote, pinned out the words of Philippians. And, and I love what, what precedes this in four, six, where he talks about, I mean, the, the backdrop that he's saying, okay, here's how you focus on things. But the problem he's talking about is he's talking about worry. He's talking about anxiousness. Mm. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, Paul, you're sitting in prison. You have no idea if you're like (laughs) about to face your death here pretty soon. And he goes, hey, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication or petition with thanksgiving, present Mm. your request to God. And then it says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so... There's something about how we, the perspective that we choose to look through, the lens that we choose to look through, that helps us to walk through life with peace, no matter the storm. And, and, and there is so much to it when it comes to not, again, not positivity, but faith. Yeah, that's it, right? That's it. That (laughs) you hope for the things that we cannot see, but that we trust the Lord is at work. Which is going to inform our attitude. That's right. It's going to inform our countenance. You know, there's so yeah. many people that I'm like, man, you're a Christian, but have you told your face? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes, 
right? Like yep. I'm not talking about yep. when you're walking through a difficult season, absolutely be honest and, and genuine. It would yeah. be disingenuous of to course. walk around and like with a smile plaster in your face. But there are seasons too where it's like, hey, listen, like let's, yeah. let's like what you said. I love what you said. Let's operate from victory. Yeah. I have a friend right now who's walking through a really aggressive breast cancer and she is doing a chemo treatment called the red devil, but she's decided to call it the red warrior. And that's just a small example, but a way to get her mindset ready. Like this thing that I'm up against that is evil and I hate it. I am, I'm trusting that this warrior is going to eradicate what's in my body. I mean, ultimately that Jesus, the warrior is going to eradicate what's in my body, but that's just a simple, I feel like that's a simple example of what we're talking about. Just kind of switching the narrative so that you can have the strength to like face some really hard things. That's so good. Aubrey, we had a guest a while ago named Dr. Lee Warren. And one of the things he said was he has to help his patients uh, understand and like he has to get them to, to, change their perspective so that they have a perspective of hope if they have any chance wow of defeating the disease that he that he's working with like the wow. hearing him say that it's like man he knows that there is even biological and chemistry reactions that happen inside of our body when we begin to operate out of hope wow that is powerful so i so appreciate Dawn and her perspective. And, and Aubrey, yes. this is not like she's gone through little things. <laughs> no, she hasn't. She has quite a story, doesn't she? These are some intense things. And we do need to, we need to warn the listener that, mm-hmm. I mean, that there, there is reference here to sexual assault. And she, she describes this situation um, very, in very much detail. And so yeah. I just want to warn you as you're walking into this, if you've experienced that or if you... You know, th- this this could be a, something that could trigger you. So I just want you to be yeah. very aware of that as you walk into this. Her story is a powerful one. I'm grateful that she's sharing it. So let's go ahead and listen to your conversation with Dawn Barton. Dawn, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we're just kind of laughing about the glorious life of podcasters and sitting in different random rooms with random smells and different things that are happening all around us, cries and different things. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's so fun. It's so fun to be able to have this conversation and have it in this context. And, and, uh, it's just a, it's, it's a hoot. And I can already tell this is going to be a fun conversation. And that we have no idea what's going to come out of it, but I know it's going to bless somebody. <laughs> I think so too. I think so too. And when it begins with right before you you go live, the puppy pooping there on the it floor, is. it has nowhere to go. I wasn't going to give you fantastic. away on that one. I was just going to allude to it and then let just you know let it sit there. But 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 you said it. You said it. Yeah. <laughs> so the listener good, needs to know there is good. a pile of poop on Dawn's floor right now as we're listening. Yes, there is. <laughs> I feel like Smells that good. just encompasses. You know what? The smile on your face right now just encompasses the theme of like your life and of this book that you've written is, you know, just we're just we're laughing through the ugly cry. There it is. The, the dog it. just it pooped on the floor. 
you know, it just hit the fan and we're just going to go ahead and roll with it. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I definitely want to talk about this book and talk about the inspiration behind it and your life's journey and what, what the Lord has taught you through all of it. But before we dive into that, why don't you give us a little bit of kind of context right now uh, about you and and what do you do and tell us about your family and, and tell us a little bit about your life right now. Other than picking up puppy poop on a regular basis these days, <laughs> other than that job, um, we live in Pensacola, Florida, you know, the beautiful beaches, Panhandle of Florida, and I am married, uh, and we have a little bit of a unique situation. So we live um, on 23 acres, and we recently bought this property, moved out here, and we have a 13-year-old daughter that lives here, a 30-year-old daughter. We have wow. four grandchildren. They live an hour and a half away. My mother-in-law lives in the house. My parents live in our guest house. We have five dogs, three cats, two horses, and a partridge <laughs> and a pear tree. <laughs> so wow. it is a it's this wonderful season of uh, launching a book, but the but probably bigger than that is this new family season and trying to to get into the flow of um, you know having a whole bunch of people in our in our world and yeah. it's, it's wonderful and beautiful. Living the beach life, that's that's awesome. Living the Love beach that. life, yeah. And right now, my only job truly is a is an author and uh, you know promoting the book. Yeah. And my background was actually uh, thirty years of sales and marketing, and wow. most recently, the last uh, you know nine years were with Mary Kay Cosmetics. And I was the number, cool. I, when I left, I was the number seven sales director in the nation out Get of about 600,000 women. Yeah. Wow. And uh, Congratulations. Thanks. That's awesome. That's but, awesome. Um, and, and I loved it. I actually, I loved that job. Before that, I was in selling computer software. So it was a huge change for me. But I I went to bed one night and I had a dream and I always sound insane when I tell this story. I know that like cuckoo could chew completely, mm-hmm. but I had a dream and God said, you're going to write a book. And I said, Oh no, I'm not. Wow. <laughs> I am not a writer. I don't even journal. I'm not a reader. I am not your girl. You probably need to go a couple of doors down. I'm just not your girl. And it was just that wake up, wake up, write this down, write this down, write this down. You're going to write this book. That's awesome. And I just felt that prompting again, at le- you know, take a leap of faith with me. Uh, I have more for you. I just kept saying, I have more for you. And it was really hard to leave. So I left a, a big paycheck, a, a, a pink fluffy car, wow. <laughs> all of it to write this book. And then a few months later, I was signed with a top literary agency and then Thomas Nelson Publishing. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people yeah. that, that we talk to and they, they say, Hey, I want to write my story. I want to write, I, but I, you know, same con, like I've never been a writer. I don't really like to write. I just feel like I need to, um, you know, before we even dive into the, the, the content of the book and the inspiration behind it, what would you say to somebody who's like, I feel like I've got a story I need to write down, but I just don't know where to start. What, what would you say to them? Cause your, your, your journey is unique. Mm-hmm. Most people loved it. They love to write. So they're like, Oh, I'm going to write. But yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show you share y'all get your pen and paper down. You Ready? Go. I googled how do you write a book. <laughs> 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 I did. I don't have this yearning passion to write. I think I do it with ease. Um, I think it is one of my gifts. I acknowledge that, but I don't have. Um, I think. Uh, my my editor once told me, she said, you're not a writer, you're an author. And a writer has this yearning and this passion mm-hmm. to write. You know, it's a therapeutic thing for them. They, this great desire. I do not have it. It's actually hard for me mm-hmm. um, to focus like that and to, to write. And I do, I, I want to acknowledge that I have a gift and I am grateful for it, that I do 
I think I'm uh, right well, right, but right, yeah. and, and I'm very humble. No, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't do it with ease. And so the biggest thing when everyone's like, I feel like God's calling me to write something. And then, and then they go on and on. I, all I have to say back to that is then write, mm. then sit down and write because yep. people get lost in the big picture of it. Yeah. How do I get a publisher? How do I get an agent? It's like, well, you can't do any of it until you just yep. write. That's great. That's so good. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Well, you know, I mean, like you said, the distinction between an author and a writer, I've never heard that. That's a really good distinction. But, you know, you had a story that became the burden on your heart. And it's, mm -hmm. you said, I've got to get this down. And so I'm, I'm excited. I know our listeners are excited to hear about this story. The book is called Laughing Through the Ugly Cry, which the title in, in and of itself is very unique. I love that. We've love all it. experienced the ugly cries in yeah. life and and yet you're espousing this idea of laughing through it uh so let's let's go back take us back on the journey talk sure. to us a little bit about the inspiration behind this book yeah i um i am somebody that throughout my life um i was married young i was married kind of straight i, I was still in college uh married young we had two children and then we lost a child to a rare bacteria pneumonia and uh, a few months later, my husband and I separated. I think it's a crazy statistic. It's like 95% of marriages that lose a child yeah. divorce. It's it's really, really high. Yeah. And then uh, about three months after that, I was home with my daughter and a man broke in the house at night and I was raped. And they actually caught him and wow. it went to a full jury trial. So this is actually all in a 12-month period. And then the divorce happened between us. So that was all in wow. 12 months. And, um, and then several years later, um, about 10 years later, I remarried later and I was diagnosed with stage three, triple negative breast cancer. My husband battled with alcoholism. He's five years sober now. My mother had a brain aneurysm that burst. My sister passed away from cancer, um, in her sleep. Well, I mean, she, she was, I was stage three. She was stage two. It was so unexpected. She passed away. And then, you know, I'd, so but what I found through all of this, and I knew what God was telling me to write about with the funny stories, the touching things, the neat lessons that happened through all of this. And to also tell people that I broke up with God in my 20s when I lost a child. Wow. I thought I am not going to love a God who takes babies from mommies. And so that that's the story. Wow. Wow. Well, we, um, man, we have a lot that we can unpack here then. Yeah. Wow, Don. Yeah. I mean, you you have experienced what uh, an entire community of people don't experience in a lifetime, and you've experienced it in a matter of a decade. And um, that, well, it's actually a matter of. Uh, it was. Uh, I'm 50 now. It started. It was over 30 years. A couple of decades. Yeah, three decades. Yeah. And wow, wow. Yeah. Well, talk to me about that. First, you started. You know, that you start. You just launched into this idea that you broke up with God. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that journey. What was that like? You broke up with them. You, I mean, what, what do you mean by that? You walked away well, from your faith? I, I was somebody who was raised uh, what I call Catholic light. So I was actually raised all over the world. My dad was in the oil field and we, we just tracked like almost like military. We were two to three years, different countries moving around. And so um, we didn't go to church too terribly often and we weren't discussing scripture or profound, you know, faith paths in our home. Um, I believed in, you know, and then three things, God, the Father, Holy Spirit, only because we did the sign of the cross yeah. for meals, you know, and a, but did, I didn't have a relationship. So when our daughter Madison died and I screamed and cried for him to save her, 
Um, and he didn't. I just thought, then I, I will not worship you. I will not love you. And oh. broke up with him. Like I call it the plate throwing, crashing, breaking up. And oh. he never broke up with me. He, and he never will. You know, he doesn't break up with us. We can break up with him. We can be mad at him. We can yeah. scream at him. We can question, but he will never stop loving and he will never stop breaking up with us. So I went through a lot of therapy. I went through, um, he, you know, he's so cool and he's so fantastic the way God works because he knows where you are, right? If, yeah. he, if you will open your eyes to see it, he sprinkles these people and these blessings and these moments throughout your life that bring you a little closer to him. I think it's up to us to choose to take, you know, to open our eyes to see mm. them. But he just, he put all the right people in my life that were gentle with me, that were loving with me. We're not the Bible beating shoving it down. I mean, they, yeah. they showed me God through their actions of kindness and love, which pulled me to him, mm. not through their quoting and, and badgering me about, you know, something. Wow. Wow. That's so good. We I've heard it said before, uh, from, I think another podcast guest that when you have like a, an, an emotionally laden wound or, or trauma, it takes like a, an emotionally laden or relationally laden, mm. um, experience to heal that wound. And so it's so cool that, you know, you experience this trauma and you're mad and angry at God. And it took other believers, not trying to bring truth into your life, but just showing you the love of God being a manifestation of that, that drew you back to his heart. Wow. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Just the kindness and love of others, you know, just being the hands feet of Jesus, as they say, that's what, that's what drew me in. Wow. You know, when you, 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 you get, you lost Madison. And then in the midst of that, you said, you know, this, this just horrific thing happened where you were raped and then had to go through a jury trial within all of that. What was your conversation going on with God in the midst of all of that as well? What was your, your outlook during that time? Well, you know, it's funny because I was in a, a, so just to give you a timeline here, Madison died in June. Uh, My husband and I separated in August and this happened in December. And that night I, uh, my daughter Mackenzie was in the bed with me. She was three at the time and she was sleeping with me. And I woke up to just an elbow in my chest and a hand slapping down on my, on my mouth and his breath on me, just saying, if you don't do everything I tell you to, I will, I will hurt you. And he let me take her in her bedroom, um, had me go back in my room and had me get on my hands and knees. But I remember getting in the pray, you know, my hands were yeah. like in this praying position, crying and crying and crying. Oh, it's hard to talk about. Mm. But I was saying the Lord's Prayer. So it's funny that even though I had broken up with him, what I turned to in that moment still was the wow. Lord's Prayer. And, and I just said it over and over. And I heard him. I have heard him well loudly two times in my life one about the book writing the book and the other was this moment and he said you're going to be okay you're going to get through this you're going to be okay and um he uh, that night that when he left he tied me up with phone cords and Mm. this was many years ago we had phone cords and there was one extra phone cord that i found because he'd cut the others so that i couldn't use a phone i found an extra one i called 911 and uh, he actually was caught because he flagged down a cop because his truck wouldn't start. So it, it was this crazy, crazy story. But he, yeah, he got wow. life in prison. Wow. And it, it, did you did you know this person? I mean, 
I didn't. He was someone who had come out to give a quote on fixing the fireplace. He worked for a company. Wow. I don't want to scare all of America right, about right, that. Right. It was just, yeah. you know, this I'm is a so crazy sorry. person. Man, so. Don. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I see these things and, and there are many people that we've been in conversation with or that we've coached or that we've, you know, that have experienced back to back to back these like just blow after blow after blow after blow of hardship. And I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm really curious uh, for myself, but also on, on their behalf, how do you begin to kind of unravel and untangle some of this stuff? I know you said that you had lots of therapy, but how do you really get in and process each one of these things that happen in order to get to, um, into a place of, of healing from them? Oh gosh. You know, I wish I had this perfect answer that I was going to give to the world on this one. Um, because I think it is an individualized journey, but there is one thing that has to be consistent in every single person's path to getting to a better place from, from that, you know, depth of pain. And it's that choice that on purpose decision mm. to step, you know, for me, I can remember just time after time, there's always a moment where I'm laying in bed and I say to myself, you have got to get up. You have got to mm. shower. You've got to start getting out of bed. Yeah. So for me, it's just that one, it was, it wasn't this like, aha, I choose joy. Let's go forward. Right. It was, I choose to bathe today. You wow. know, I choose to, to fake being, okay today because in I, I'm not saying that we need to fake but sometimes just smiling yeah. and faking that smile in a sense you know even when we don't feel like it starts to become our reality yeah. when we just keep doing it and keep doing it yeah. and I had you know and and for for all of those situations I had children I had children that you know were such a blessing to me that kept me yeah you've got to get up this is not what she needs to see you've got to get up you've got to get up wow yeah, I. That's a. It is a unique perspective to think about the blessing that having children during these trials is, because you know I I recognize some of the same thing in my own journey mm -hmm. that my son was 15 months old when my wife was killed, right. and that was a, a a large part of just what got me up in the mornings, like what you're saying. And yeah. and I want to encourage some people with that 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 maybe you just need to get up. Maybe that's the yeah. only. The only next step that you've got to do is you just, that's the way you figure out how to live today is you just get up. And, and thankfully, you know, those children, they want to be fed. And, yeah. you know, I, I, those seem like tasks that are so much more than you can wrap your head around when you're in that depth of sadness and depression and you just have to get up. But it, it is, um, those are gifts and uh, we are not created mm -hmm. to live in that sadness we are not. We are. That is not when he calls us to live this life. He didn't call us to, to sit on a sofa and watch Netflix nonstop mm. or to lay in our bed nonstop. And don't get me wrong. I think I've watched Netflix, like all of it. Just I'm not even saying a show anymore because at this point it's just Netflix. <laughs> I've watched Netflix. And um, so I've totally been there, especially during the season yeah, of COVID right. and all of that. Right. But even in that, that is not what I am called to be. That mm. is not the human that he wants any of us to be. He, we are just, we are meant to seek and live a life of joy. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have hardships because he definitely says when yeah. we have them, right? Because right. we're going to, but to seek that joy on a continual basis. Wow. Well, obviously, I mean, even just the fir first initial interaction with you, you strike me with as a very optimistic, positive person. And of course you look on your website, it's like 
it screams joy, optimism, positivity, you know, the title of this book, laughing through the ugly cry. But is that something that is just, you know, to what degree is that like just part of your personality? And to what degree is that something that you have learned as a principle to help to combat and overcome these, these situations that you've gone through? Okay. I think this is the most excellent question because I love to acknowledge that some people are born more optimistic than others are. I am a happier, more optimistic person innately. So I fully acknowledge that. I just am. Um, But uh, I have also actually done studies and watched stuff and then the retraining of the brain and things like this, that you can choose to be that way. You truly can. I Mm. think we can 100% choose to be happier people. And, uh, you know, I have, because I worked with teams of women of hundreds of women and watch this over and over, the people we surround ourselves with ha- can ha- can swing that pendulum way far mm. to happy or to sad. They aren't responsible for your joy or your yeah. happiness. Yeah. But if you continue to have yourself in a, in a world, in a circle of negative, unhappy, Debbie Downers, yeah. you're going to go down with them. Mm. Wow. That's so true. Wow. When pain comes into our lives, it's easy to want to avoid it, bury it, or run away from it. But if you've listened to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast for any amount of time, you would know that none of these approaches to dealing with pain actually end in purpose. Most of our guests have gone through long healing journeys that oftentimes involve counseling, which is why we've partnered with an incredible online worldwide organization called Faithful Counseling, who provides virtual counseling with licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board. If you're seeking traditional mental health counseling but would prefer hearing from a Christian perspective, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. Once you're matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone, through video calls, phone calls, or even text messaging. They also have weekly group in our sessions where members can learn in a group environment with a counselor. Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off your first month of counseling for being a part of the Nothing is Wasted family. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. Now, back to our interview. Can you uh, unpack a little bit of that, you know, to, how does, how is your, as you, as God has been drawing you back to him, you know, you broke up with God, the whole dishes thrown across the room, kind of break up. And as he's been drawing you back in with the message of the gospel, how has that informed this choosing joy mentality that, that you're carrying? So, um, I let, I do, I love to talk about this because my faith did not come from uh, formal educations or Sunday mm. school. My, I say that my faith was born in the trenches. Wow. My faith came from a crying out to God. So my faith actually came, the relationship came first, the feeling came first, the, the you know, Holy Spirit came first. Mm. Then 
the steps were, I want to know this deeper. And then I was seeking him in the Bible. I was reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, you know, and the Bible's so fantastic because you start reading, you're like, shut up. Mm. You are like, I I remember reading the the Old Testament and and thinking Game of Thrones has like nothing on the Old Testament. (laughs) I I don't know why we aren't throwing this. It is like an unbelievable book that I, um, I had been scared of for so long, but now uh, to see him, him talk about joy and see it in the words and to talk about mm-hmm. that we're going to have hardships and come to him. And I just, I was like, oh, it's all right here, yeah. all the feelings I've had. So it's, I just want someone to know that you don't have to have this perfect uh, Christian upbringing yeah. or anything like that to, to know him. Yeah. Because he's loving you completely right here and now. So good. I love those moments where, you know, just you open the, you crack the door open to your heart. You let God do this ministry thing into your heart, the the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You can't quite explain it. You're going, man, that's, I don't, it's so, I just can't put words to it. And then somewhere along the journey, maybe the next day, maybe the next week, maybe the next month, you read something in scripture and you're like, that's it. That's exactly what was happening right there, you know. And it's like, it's it's like, yeah, the the word of God is coming alive in 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 the presence of God and the ministry that oh, He's doing in your life. So true. I love it. I love to see how when you first uh, sometimes you'll read a scripture and you'll see it a certain way, and then throughout year you you watch it evolve and yeah. you just you see it, you know, you grow with it and just it becomes so different. I um. I love Ephesians three twenty and that but the part I love it immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine mm. imagine. And I kept hearing that over and over when I left Mary Kay to write. And I thought I was feeling that scripture so much and hearing that scripture so much because he was saying, It's gonna sell way more than you're ever gonna mm. ask or imagine. But now that I'm seeing it all unfold, and here we are, we just moved a year ago, and I have all of my family with me. I had this peaceful, beautiful, incredible life. So it is truly more than I could have imagined, wow. but in such a different way, because we're so human and we're so right. narrow-minded, right? right. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to sell a lot of books, but it's, it's quite the, right. it's so much bigger than I could have imagined. Yeah, he's like, just wait. It's not, yeah. ju- it's not about the book. It's great, but it's about way more than that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. That's so cool. And even the, the, I would have never imagined the, the, the feeling that I got from, the the messages from women about how it's affected them yeah. and it's affected their faith. You can't even grasp how that will fill your heart and your mind. Yeah. I, and that's another, that's another Ephesians three twenty moment wow. is that just when I hear from women about the book. Well, I, you know, I'm, I hate to revisit this, but I, I want to, because, you know, we've, we've got a community group online. We've got these virtual community groups that we have for different types of trials that people walk through. And one of our community groups is it's actually one of the largest, unfortunately are women who have survived sexual assault. Hmm. And, um, one of the predominant things that we hear or the questions that we hear is where was God in the midst of that? Right. Where was he? And I think what's so profound about what you just shared with us a little bit earlier was, you know, just this clear God showing up to you, even in the, this horrific moment right here. But how would you, if you're sitting across from somebody, you know, uh, uh, another woman who uh, maybe you're having coffee and she's sharing this story with you and she's going, I, like, where was God in this? Like, why, you mm-hmm. know, 
why didn't he rescue me from this? Why didn't he protect me from this? What, how would you counsel that person? I hate to put you, you know, on the spot and we're mm-hmm. going to go mm-hmm. kind of deep in the trenches here, but I feel like that you've, you probably have some insight into that to just, if you're trying to counsel one of these women, what would you say? Well, first of all, I'm going to acknowledge that I'm not going to have the perfect answer, yeah. by, but you know, by, by any means, because I don't know that we'll ever know that till we go to heaven. Um, but first of all, I think God was there. God is there in, in, mm. in the depths of those horrific moments. He is there um, in my, the throes of my battling cancer. He is there in the, he is there. Two things. Number one, I think it's in the valleys. It's in that depth of hurt that you, we have the, and pl- when somebody is, I, I feel so, I just want to say, I know that if this is raw, if this is new for you, if this pain is so right at the surface right now, you're going to want to punch me. Mm-hmm. I know that. But it is in that depth where you will get to know God, if you choose, at a level that is only, I think, only available to us in that depth mm-hmm. of pain. Because you will never seek Him again quite like you will there. You will never cry for Him more than when you are in the most pain. Wow. Because when you're at the top of the mountain— you're like, hey, hey, yeah. this is good. Who loves you, right. God? I love you. You know, right. but in that is a cry for him that we only experience in the yeah. depth of pain. Yeah. Okay. So I think that that's my first thing. And my second thing is to tell you is there will be a day when you will be the gift to somebody else. <sighs> when you and your story will be the thing that will pull them through. Wow. And you don't see it now, and it's too hard to see it now. And it sounds flippant to say it now, but I am telling you, you will be a gift to many when you also will share your story. You know, we we go through these trials not to keep it all bottled up inside to one day explode. We keep it to be able to pull others through the hardships of life. It's just like a, it's like a, you know, one of those, uh, just a rope, grab onto the rope, I'm going to pull you. And the next person, grab onto the rope, I'm going to pull you, I'm going to bring. And it's this chain of each other. This we pull each other in love. Wow. That's so good. That's so good, man. And I think that's part of our healing too, is that when we begin to turn our pain around to help other people, you know, when we see that, uh, you know, this pain is bigger than just me, it's bigger than just being about me. And we can kind of open our eyes up to, man, how can I help provide hope to someone else right. to just even, even if it's just that, even if I don't have the right answers, even if it's just, Hey, mm-hmm. take it from me, you're going to get through this, you know? Well, and it's, and you have been through so much and don't you hate it when somebody does try to have all the right answers? Like, right. just be with me, right? love me, just be with me. Right. Yeah. That's and so maybe true. bring me ice cream. I don't know. Yeah. Ice cream always helps. <laughs> ice cream does help. That's right. And make sure you're eating it with me, right? That's yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Great. My favorite were my friends who just crawled up in the bed with me and just were there. Yeah. I didn't need them to say anything perfect. Yeah. That's so good. Wow. The ministry mm-hmm. of presence. That's so good. Talk to me a little bit about this, this cancer battle. Where were some moments that God really showed up to you there? You know, that's devastating news for anybody. How did yeah. he show up? Well, and well, say, what was so here. great about, uh, cancer. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, so say that again. Cancer. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again, here it is. Uh, laughing through the yeah, ugly cry. Uh, I mean, this is this is the life of Don Barton right here. What was so great about cancer? Let me tell you. Uh, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, during that season, um, actually, my husband is a, a commercial airline pilot, and he went active duty with the military that year. So he was actually in Bahrain when I was diagnosed with cancer and mm. I had a four year old bouncing little girl. My, I have daughters that are 17 years apart. So the first one had wow. left and she was married, but the other one was four. Wow. And some, some great 
little gifts came out of it. And I will tell you, the first thing was when they gave me a biopsy, they actually burned my skin and it left this black circle. And that was so fantastic because when you have a four-year-old little girl, I was able to have a visual thing to say to her, this is the booby bug and this is making mommy sick and we're going to have to take some medicine. It's going to make, you know, mommy not feel good for a while, but I'm going to be fine. So, you know, that I noticed that just, it started looking for those little things, but in cancer, I, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I knew God. Mm. So to go through a trial and a hardship when you know him well, Mm. it's very different than one when you're not so sure of your faith or your relationship or where he is for you. Mm. You know, your mind isn't, but having that faith, it was so, I'm saying all the wrong words, but it was so fantastic to go through something hard with him. No, you know? I understand. Like, yeah, it, it and what a really unique was. perspective to say, okay, when yeah. I went through this trial down, I was in the middle of a breakup with God. I wasn't sure about my faith. And then here, I'm in this trial, and my perspective was very different going into the trial. Wow. Wow. Many of the book's chapters came out of cancer because so many lessons came from that. Yeah. Um, one of the one of ones that I love is... Uh, I think you think I would know the names of my chapters. Uh, <laughs> it all blurs. I believe I know yeah. it blurs together. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it together. So, uh, she's still your friend. Where I talked about, I remember a lady posting on Facebook, and she said, "Now that I have cancer, I see who my real friends are." And I thought, "No, you don't. You absolutely do not. Wow. You will, if you choose to, you will see the people who are blessed with that gift of." caring for others and being, you know, they have that gift, but my friends and myself, if you're sick, I am never going to bring you a meal. It's not who I am. It's not how I'm wired. It's not the gifts God gave me, but if you let it, what's going to show up are the ones who do have that gift. Mm. And, and it was funny because my girlfriends are a lot like I am. And we talked on the phone, but they weren't helping to clean my house and they weren't bringing meals all the time. But I had friends that I didn't get to see very often who did I have did that, that gift wow. show up. And then when I was, well, you know what? They were gone and my others were back. Wow. It didn't mean they loved me less. It didn't mean they cared less. It's just not how they're wired. And if you go through your trial, um, judging others for where they are and how they reacted, oh, you're going to be missing out on so many gifts that are he's throwing at you. Wow. And, and, you know, I remember a friend of mine, um, she was actually diagnosed with cancer and she was asking for stuff for me and me to come. And I was, I was in the throes of nearing the end with Craig, with his alcoholism, my world was falling apart and I wasn't telling anyone because he, you know, I was embarrassed. He was an alcoholic. I was trying to hide it. Um, so they had no idea what I was going through. And instead it probably just looked like I was insensitive, but you never know what somebody is going through. You have to give people grace just because you may be going through a hard time. You cannot judge others uh, for not reacting the way that you hope they might. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. What an interesting, I had not, I had not heard that perspective before, but Really, what pain does is it br- it draws out your friend's different unique gifts rather than drawing out whether or not they're your friend, because there are right. some that will, they will, they will, man, they will come to your rescue and show up and serve in so many different capacities. But then the moment that you're kind of like coming up out of that valley, and and yeah. there, that particular gift is not needed anymore in that capacity, right. then you could think that maybe they're not your friend anymore because they're not doing that or the, because that somehow they're, they're not as present in your life. And that's not true. They're just showing up. And that's then, not true. Wow. That's so yeah. good. Yeah, and you, 
and you have to give, you know, you have to give, give grace in those. And then, and then probably one of my other really great lessons was, um, uh, it through my, uh, I had many months of chemotherapy, um, which is the part that makes you lose all of your hair. And I actually lost all of my fingernails and my toenails. Wow. And it was just, a, I, I looked horrible. You lose all the coloring, you're taking steroids. So you're a blowfish and, mm. you know, um, but I had had several months of chemo. Then I had a mastectomy and um, where they cut off my right breast. And then I, I was going into radiation and radiation was supposed to be the, the easy part, really easy. My oncologist said, Oh, this is, it'll be, you have to have 37 rounds. You have to go every day for <sighs> months, but it's going to be the easy part. I'm like, great. Okay. I got this. I go in to have radiation. I sit down, I put on the, the gown and uh, sitting across from me as a woman who is, um, I'm guessing in her fifties, her face was full of color. She had all of her makeup on and her hair was thick and, you know, colored and looking great. And so I say that because I knew that she had not just gone through tons of chemotherapy yeah, yeah. and she said, is this your first time? And I said, yes, it is. And she said, oh, well, your first seven days, they're okay. But after that, oh, it's awful. Oh, no. It's so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, he lied to me. My oncologist yeah. told me, oh my gosh. Wow. So the next day I go in and sitting across from me is the most frail, pasty white, thin, precious elderly woman. Wow. And she looks at me and she's asked the same question. She said, is this your first time? I said, no second. She goes, oh honey, this is nothing. This is the easy part. This is going to be so easy for you. And I, it, it just hit me. One chose to spread joy yeah. and love and kindness. And one chose to just suck the, you know, make <sighs> her words a heavy, worse thing for somebody else. Right, right. And I've never forgotten it. Well, and what did, what did both of those do for you, right? I mean, one of those, the first one really, I mean, it left you feeling deflated and discouraged. And you're like, mm -hmm. I'm never going to mm -hmm. be able to get through this. This is going to be horrific. And the other one, it brought life to you. Right. And you know, what's funny is she was on her, her like very last of her rounds. So this, she was speaking those words into me when she was actually, after I went through it and I knew where she was when she spoke those words, yeah. I had, she was blistered. She was burned. She was sick. I, I, you know, it makes me cry wow. because she was so sick and she still spoke that over wow. me. That's amazing, man. Wow. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the, this is what's so unique about your story is like all of these different things we can kind of unpack in the different nuances of pain that we know listeners are experiencing. But one of the things that we've not talked a whole lot about is, you know, having to wrestle through your, your husband uh, in the throes of alcoholism and kind of how you navigated that. Can you unpack that situation for me? What did, what did you do? How did you navigate that? How do you... Um, yeah, I will, yeah, for sure. Um, what's so great about that is that I have this incredible husband that gave me permission to write that story mm. because when I wrote it and I showed it to him, he originally goes, oh, no, no, no. Wow. <laughs> You're not putting this in the book. And then, um, because God's God, yeah. I happened to send it to a newer friend of mine and she read, I don't even remember why this even happened because I really let very few people see the book before it was out. And she, um, she ended up sending me the, a message and I let my husband hear it because she said, I've been too embarrassed to talk about it. Um, I didn't want to say that, that, but this is the identical thing that I'm going through. Wow. And after he heard that, he said, put it in. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, Don, I think in. that's more so, prevalent than what you would think. You know, I think there are a lot of oh. people who are who are living under that that covering. You know, that shame mm-hmm. of just like I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to. And unfortunately, because of that, the problem is exacerbating. Wow. Right, and a lot of people are. Um, you know, it's this thin line. It's, it's, it's this delicate line that we walk because it's so the norm. But it it just it got worse and worse and worse in our lives, and we would go in this cycle where. Um, he would, he would drink a little, then the next day he would get absolutely hammered. Then he would get sober. Um, and he was super, super nice that day. Then he'd leave to go to work and then he'd come back and we'd go through the same cycle over and over and over again. And, um, we were lucky. And I say that because I think we caught it before it completely destroyed us before it destroyed his job, before he even took it into his job, before, um, he was never physically abusive, but I will tell you this, I, as women go, I am a strong woman, yeah, you know, yeah. like if anyone's probably abused in our marriage, it's probably him, no, I'm teasing, <laughs> but, uh, but I am a, I, I pride myself on, I am a strong woman. I would mm. never, I, I say, be affected by those kind of things because I know who I am, but you don't see how much those words of an alcoholic. And let me just be clear. Alcoholism is a disease. It is not something you can cure. It is not something you caused. Um, but those words that he would speak, I stayed at probably producing at a mediocre level in my career. Mm. Once he got sober and he was the kind guy all the time, you know, most of the time I soared in my career. I would have never, ever thought they were related. Wow. But they were so related. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is, I mean, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense, but you know, mm-hmm. you also, I, I just, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that as well. Man, that's crazy. Right. Hey friends, Davey here. I have a question for you. Do you have a heart for helping other people navigate their personal trauma tragedies, or major life transitions. If you do, keep listening because whether or not you feel like you have the means or resources or the proper training, you can help others take back their story. And here's how. If you have a home church that you attend, we would love to partner with you to bring the Pain to Purpose course to your church. That's right. I'm talking to you. You don't have to be a pastor or a counselor or a minister of any kind. All you have to have is a heart for other people and a willingness to walk with them on their journey. I've been on the phone this week with multiple pastors who want to launch the Pain to Purpose course in their spiritual community, but they're struggling to find the right facilitator to guide the group discussions. I wonder if your church would launch the course in a heartbeat. If someone like you approached them with both information about the course and the commitment to help launch and facilitate it. I realize this this is a big ask, but this could very well be part of the purpose and mission you're looking for on the other side of your own valley. One of the things we say a lot at Nothing Is Wasted is that your redemption story begins when you take your pain and turn it around by helping others in theirs. And this is a perfect opportunity to begin that redemption journey. You could be the pioneer behind a major healing movement at your church by launching the Pain to Purpose course, and we want to show you how. 
We've wrapped this course into an easy to implement package. Our team will walk beside you, train you, and equip you with everything you need to be our pain to purpose guide at your local church. If you're interested in partnering with us to bring the pain to purpose course to your church, we will help you with everything from how to approach your pastors to what to say to them and even how to get them excited for the course. You'll be able to tell your pastor that it shouldn't take any additional time or effort on his or her part. All you have to do right now is this. Text COURSE to 66866. Again, that's C-O-U-R-S-E, COURSE to 66866. Pull out your phone right now and text that number. And as an added bonus, if you help us get the course launched at your church, we'll give you your choice of either free access to the Nothing Is Wasted partner program for an entire year or two free coaching sessions with one of our certified guides. Again, just text COURSE to 66866 and let's start a healing movement together. You know, I, w- one of the things I love, I'm a, I'm a very optimistic person too, and I think that that, that just natural bent, uh, the demeanor of optimism has kind of helped me, you know, I would say some in some ways a leg up on navigating a valley because I've just always had this outlook of, you know, God's going to take care of this, we're going to be okay, you know, and whatever we, we go through, he's going to turn this around for good. Um, and, and yet there are, there are some who, because they're, they're bent in that direction, they can, that optimism can become a blocker for them to really experiencing and enter entering into the pain and healing that they need to, because it becomes like a Pollyanna, you know, head in the sand. Like, I'm just not going to, I don't want to like approach the pain. I don't want to think about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to numb myself to the pain or block that pain by just staying on this side of the spectrum and being extremely optimistic. Can you talk to me about, you know, how you've had to navigate that tension, you know, really, even, even in your optimism, even in your like choosing joy, what was you know how did you how did you go into um experiencing and feeling the the pain you need to in order to find true healing in that so you can continue to move in that place of of optimism yeah and you know in listening to that and processing is processing it as you're saying it I think you can be an optimistic or a pessimistic person, but denial is denial and not wanting to process feelings. Doesn't matter that's if you're an great. optimist or a pessimist, yeah, right? That's good. Um, because there is a season, whether you are or not, that you're, you, the pain is so deep. It, the best visual I can give it that I always think of is that there was a black hole, huge black hole. And I would look in it on occasion and say, oh, yep, mm-hmm, that's bad. But I was not going to stick my toe in it because I thought that if I looked in it, it would suck me mm-hmm. in and I would cry, a cry so hard that I could never actually climb out of that back yeah. hole, black hole. So I avoided it and avoided it and avoided it. And some of that looked like a lot of partying in my 20s. Um, I'm not somebody who did drugs and stuff only by the grace of God. I, I mean, mm-hmm. but I was definitely looking for an escape. You know, yeah, I, was, right. I, was, um, I was really trying to escape it. And one of the great things that happens with age and also happens with continued traumas in your life yeah. <laughs> is that you start to recognize that more. 
you start to recognize that pattern in that behavior and start saying, okay, you're, you're a wackadoo right now. You, you gotta, you gotta have some ugly cries, it's a lot of ugly cries. And if the ugly cries, if you're not feeling better after that, then you, I need help. I need to get a therapist for me. I needed medication as well in my twenties to get through all that. Um, so I, I needed medical help, but I also had to admit it yeah. and I also had to seek it. Yeah. So I think that the worst of the worst is when you stay in denial, you won't process it, you won't seek help, and you won't have the ugly cries. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I love about the title of your book. You've got two extremes, laughing and ugly cry. And it sounds like to me, you're saying you've got to experience both of those things. Like if you truly want yeah, to experience you- laughing, you got to go through the ugly cry. Yeah, for sure. Right. You have to know they go hand in hand. I, um, there's a a story about, um, it's called, uh, the joy in getting lucky and lucky was the name of my prosthetic breast that I had to have for a couple (laughs) of years before they could do reconstructive surgery. And I hated that prosthetic breast. Mm. He, it would, it would climb up, you know, when at the most inopportune times I'd be talking to someone, then all of a sudden you see them, they keep looking at like your collarbone Mm. and you've realized your prosthetic breast has climbed up. And it it was just, I hated this thing. And I felt disgusting. Um, I felt, uh, that my femininity was gone because I had a mastectomy on one side, not both. And it was just, I, I hated the symbol of being this butchered female in my head. Mm. Okay. And uh, I finally figured out a, a bathing suit that, that Lucky fit in. And we went, some friends of ours came, we, you know, the Blue Angels, this is the home of the Navy uh, flying team, the Blue Angels. And yeah. it was Blue Angel weekend. They always come. We got this, we rented this big boat and we had our children and they didn't want to jump off the boat. So we said, you know what? The mommies are going to show you. Children, we lined up our children on the boat, four little impressionable angels. And John, her husband, my friend's husband was filming. And as are you guys ready? We're going to jump in in one, two, three, and we jump. And as soon as I hit the water, Lucky came out of the swimsuit. <laughs> and I remember as I was sinking down and sinking down, I thought to myself, "Oh my gosh, where's Lucky? Oh my gosh, will insurance pay for another one? It was five hundred dollars. Oh my gosh, I can't lose Lucky. I can't lose Lucky. Oh my gosh!" And I came up and I said out to to John, "I lost my boob." And then, like fifteen feet away, like a torpedo comes dashing up in uh, into the air is the prosthetic oh, breast, man. Lucky. So that is when it was one of the funniest stories of my entire life and that laughing would not have happened without the ugly cries Mm. of lucky coming along so that's a perfect example of kind of the things in the book that are is that that laughing through an ugly cry yep yep yeah it is it's like the that what seems to be polar opposites are actually two sides of the same coin and it's the it's the thing that i think god uses to heal us through these things you know this is why scripture says the weeping may tarry through the night joy comes in the morning Right. Ecclesiastes talks about there's a season for there's a season for mourning and there's a season for dancing, you know, and right. And these things, we have to embrace both of those seasons if we're going to be able to embrace the other one. I I fully agree. Uh, But I think, you know, in between those two, there is a choice. There is. There is a choice. So good. And and we get so lost in that. We just think it's going to there has to be a conscious choice. And that's why I think the overall message of that, that. The book is you get to choose, you get to choose, you get to choose. And it isn't up to anyone else but you. It's not up to your spouse. It's not up to your kids. It's not up to your pastor. 
it it is up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Speak to that a little bit. I mean, speak to maybe some of the subtle ways that you have seen other people um, kind of take on a victim mentality or try to pass the buck or, or, or the, the onus of like, well, you know, I, I can't help this. I can't, you know, control this. It's out of my control. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because you're saying like, it's always, yeah, yeah. there's always something within your control. You have a locus of control Correct. to be able yeah. to move through this. And I, th- I think I, I get to say that because of my uh, life's resume of, yeah. you know, yeah, tragedy. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. I literally, um, I wrote all these down and I'm like, uh, wow, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And I, I, uh, gosh, I would say the the thing that I am the least tolerant of is a victim mentality, mm. no matter what. And nothing kind of gives me eebie-jeebies more yeah. than a victim mentality because you truly get to, and if you've ever been with somebody who is that negative person, who will flip it again yeah. and again and again and again. Um, well, first, I, I want to kind of punch them, but that is definitely the wrong thing to do, people. Don't <laughs> they would do just that. be negative about uh, it, so that wouldn't help them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They'd just be negative. Um, but I'm going to admit something. I'm actually married to a little bit of a natural pessimist yeah, myself. Yeah. And, um, one of us is this glorious optimist and the other one is, he says, it's not ironic. Isn't it funny how God does that, you know, Yes, yes. <laughs> for each of our sanctification. So, <laughs> I know. And so one of the things that I say to him all the time, because I don't think he does it consciously and he's not cruel or mean or anything is I, I will say, now say something positive. Hmm. Now say something positive. Now say something nice. Yeah. And it, and I do it enough that he'll flip to where he'll be like, oh, I'm conscious of the, the words that are coming out. So yeah. if you have someone in your circle that's, you know, pushy enough to go, now say something positive, now say something positive. <laughs> that's yeah. so true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I believe there's this, this, this very, uh, that faith and, and positivity, faith and optimism run parallel with each other, hmm. you know, like, I agree. I mean, we definitely see cases that God still used people in scripture in a powerful way in an extraordinary way to, you know, bring about extraordinary purposes who espoused a pessimistic attitude at times. Right. And God's kind of like, listen, but the message of scripture is, Hey, in the end, this is going to work out. I know it sucks right now, but in the end, this is going to work out and not just for the world, not just this global narrative, this historical narrative of redemption. Like, God's mm-hmm. writing your redemption story personally. It works out for your good, Romans 8, 28 tells us. And so there has to be this thread of, you know, when we look at things with faith, that we, we've got to see it. We've got to see it optimistically too. We've got to say, you know what? This sucks right now. And we can acknowledge the reality of it. But we know that God is going to work this for good. And so I can look forward to that in faith and choose to put on uh, these these feelings of and put on the truth and put on, right? What does Philippians 4, 8 tell us? Whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, think about such things. And, you know, and I also want to acknowledge that the way we feel is not necessarily reality. Our feelings yeah, lie to us often. It. So All the time, yeah. yeah. And, and, I, I think um, learning how to pivot those feelings, learning how to be on purpose about your, it. you know, the way you feel, um, 
I'm thinking of a moment. My, my uncle, he was one of the great loves of my life, passed away on March 24th, right when COVID hit. And he Mm. passed away from a massive heart attack and it was in a hospital. My aunt was outside in the car by herself and just this heartbreaking story. And as I'm in the car, you know, a few hours later, racing to Louisiana, um, I remembered that I had a podcast the next day to talk about joy. And I thought Mm. as you doing, and I was doing the, (sighs) you know, that kind of cry, you know, and I thought I have to cancel all, all further podcasts. I will never be able to talk about joy Mm. again. As long as I live in the history of the world, I am not the person. I am not the person who can talk about joy ever again. Mm. And uh, I arrived at my aunt's house and we go inside and of course we're crying and hugging. And then we sit down on the sofa And what do you think happens? But we all start laughing. We start telling stories of him and laughing and laughing and laughing. And then it just reminded me that the laughing is with the ugly cry. You know, it just is. We just, but my thoughts two hours before were so certain that I would never talk about joy again. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I didn't say I was an emotionally stable person either. I just said, (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, it's 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 beautiful because you you again like you know what we've been talking about, you you let those feelings wash over you right? you feel yeah. them you're not denying them you're not dismissing them you're feeling them but then you know you're you're speaking truth to those feelings right you know i mean just a second ago i referenced philippians 4 8 all those things right they're whatever think about such things putting on these things paul wrote that in prison isn't that crazy you know isn't that just? And this is the joy book. I'm, Philippians. I'm also He's writing about joy in prison. Completely impressed with your ability to quote scripture. <laughs> I just quoted half the verse, though. Yeah. That's the thing because I couldn't remember all the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> I say in the beginning of the book, I am the worst scripture quoter. I'm like, you know, there's this part and it says this, and it, you know, I kind of do this roundabout mushed up, but I'm so in awe of people that quote beautifully. So well, well done. I talked to my wife about this. You know, we're she she can quote scripture really 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 well i have kind of a cheat code because i'm a preacher and so as a preacher you're you're saying it a lot you're seeing it a lot you're there's a little bit of an advantage that you have because you've studied a passage quite right, a bit right. and so it's it's there it's like memorization by default yeah. so i'm not that impressed with myself i'm really impressed with someone like my wife who like she intentionally goes and memorizes scripture and then she's just able to recall it. And you're like, geez, okay, well, all right. You just, you just put all the rest of us. Yeah. To shame, and I, I'm just working on remembering Bible my athlete. child's name half the time. And you're like, <laughs> like <laughs> you come here. you. Uh, that's so yeah. great. Don, this has just been, this has been a, an incredible conversation. You just, you really, uh, you lifted my spirits. Honestly, I came into this conversation. I was a little tired. I'm like, it's the end of the week. I'm like, Oh man, I'm just, feeling kind of heavy, received some bad news this week, some, some friends of ours, and you've just, you've lifted my spirit, reminded me that we can choose joy in the midst of these circumstances. And, uh, and I appreciate that. Oh, I'm so, so, so glad. Great. I can actually see it. I can see it in your face. I can see that you're a little bit lighter. So that makes me happy. <laughs> Uh, well, the, the book again, laughing through the ugly cry, want to make sure that everybody picks that up. We're going to put that on our podcast, uh, page and in our show notes right here. So you can get to it easily. But, um, Don, where can we, where can we follow what you're doing? Where can we Absolutely. just kind of I am follow everything? most active on Instagram and on Instagram, okay. it is Don R Barton. And I, 
Everyone thinks I'm trying to be a pirate when I say that. I'm not. I'm just trying to emphasize. I like Don R. Barton. But, R. 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 <laughs> um, and I'm the same on Facebook, Don R. Barton, Don Barton Joyologist, and then DonBarton.com. So, and I'm very active. I answer everybody. Just, I guess I'm just not in a big enough deal yet. So I can just still do that. <laughs> Even even if you're a big deal, I have a feeling you would, would. answer everybody. I know. So that uh, is important. You to are me. you're a big deal. You're going to answer everybody anyways. It's great. I know. We can just I can tell. I just, I can that tell. is funny you said that because that is important to me. That just is is something that will always be important to me. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. That's so great. Well, I love I love your heart for the Lord. I love your heart for people. Thanks so much for sharing with with uh, our community and and lifting our spirits. This was so fun. Thank you. Thank you for talking with me. And just, (laughs) I just, thank you. Oh, thank you. Aubrey, an incredible conversation with Don Barton. And uh, she's so great. I want to make sure that we point our listeners to our nothing is wasted community groups from here because Don has experienced so many different things. You as the listener, as you're listening to this, you've also probably experienced many, many of the same mm-hmm. types of valleys, types of trials that Dawn has experienced and that she illuminated here. And we probably have a group for that. If it, whatever kind of trial that you can, you know, that you're experiencing, it might be there. So I would, I would definitely encourage you to go to nothing slash community groups and check to see if there's a group that is tailored there for you. But specifically, we have a thriving group for women who um, have experienced sexual assault. Rachel Henry, who has been a guest on our podcast, uh, she leads that group. We've got a couple of different groups for cancer. So uh, cancer caretakers, those who have gotten a diagnosis of cancer. Um, uh, and Joanna Denstadt, she leads those groups. We've got um, some groups that are just getting cranked up for um, in regards to addiction. And so even helping those who are family members of an addict. And so you're, you're going to want to go check those out. I'm telling you, these groups are thriving. It's exciting to see what God is doing on our Nothing Is Wasted Community Groups platform. While you're checking those out, you can also go on to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. That actually helps the podcast go up in the algorithm so more listeners can find us. So if God has spoken to you Mm -hmm. through any of these episodes, be sure to go on and rate and review so that the word spreads to other people. And also that helps us just to be encouraged to keep going, putting out great content that will minister to you. You can also follow Follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries at Davy Blackburn and at Obsamp. Yep, and we want to thank Sleeping at Last, Chicago native. Hello, that's right. Hello, for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thank you, Sleeping at Last. You can listen to any of his music where music can be downloaded and streamed. Next week we have a two-part conversation with Dr. Anita Phillips. I am so excited about this. And Aubrey, this is someone that you, uh, you know Dr. Anita Phillips pretty well. I do know Dr. Anita. You connected her with us. And so I'm really excited about the listener hearing this conversation because it's powerful, it's profound, it's um, convicting as well. And so let's go ahead and listen to a little teaser from next week's conversation that I have with Dr. Anita Phillips. My dad is still preaching every Sunday. My mom um, is a preacher as well. We come from a tradition where women weren't 
um, widely accepted as preachers, but my mom was so amazing that she just couldn't be resisted. And so (laughs) (laughs) if you're good enough, you can't stop it, right? (laughs) There was nothing you could do. You know, she would, I would go with her um, when she would go out to preach and run revivals night after night, after night, after night, I'd watch her tarry on the altar in prayer and tears with people for hours after a service was over until that person really had a breakthrough with God. I've, I've, she was a trench worker for Jesus. And um, I watched her do that for all my childhood. And um, she would be out doing that. My dad's preaching on a Sunday morning, we were, and we're having this issue with my sister, just not knowing what to do. And so eventually, um, my sister's condition worsened, and she was hearing voices. Um, we found out later, had been hearing them since she was a little kid. And the voices told her to um, kill my grandmother who lived with us, my mother, and me. 